music this morning. Take your Bibles, let's go to the book of Ephesians this morning. And let me say again, happy Father's Day to all of our dads. And um, we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians this morning, and I would like to break the message up into two parts. I'd like to address our children, and then I would like to address the dads this morning. And, uh, and so in light of that, I'm going to ask you as we stand to read for the children, as we read in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, uh, we're going to read those three verses. So if you're, a, if you're a young person this morning, you're still at home with mom and dad, I want you to read those three verses aloud with me as I read them. Um, and uh, so we'll read those together. And then I'm going to ask for all the fathers this morning to read verse four with me aloud. And so if you found your place, let's all stand together in honor of the word of God. And so all of our children, you found your places in your Bible there. I want you to read aloud with me. And uh, we'll join that together and we'll have it up on the screen too if you don't have a copy in your hand. Here we go, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And dads, join me in verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And all God's people said, let's pray together. Father, we ask you to add your blessing to the reading of your word this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would take what is said today uh, as a piece of counsel, of advice, of expounding your word to your people, uh, to drive it deep into our hearts, that it would make a difference in families for generations to come. Because, Lord, your truth your word is always true in every generation. And Lord, we'll praise you for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' precious name we ask it. Amen. You can be seated there. I would begin by saying this morning, fatherhood is disciple-making. Fatherhood is making disciples. It's training our children to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And whether your children are still at home or out of the home, let me encourage you to use the influence you do have to point your family to Jesus Christ. And whatever measure of influence you have, point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And continue to do that. Point your grandchildren to the Lord Jesus Christ. And continue to do that. What a great responsibility it is. I don't think we could overestimate the importance of fatherhood. And I know that our society far underestimates its importance. We have walked away from it. We've ignored its importance. And yet the Bible places great importance on it here. Charles Francis Adams, a 19th century political figure, diplomat. He was a somebody of his day and he kept a diary and encouraged his son to do the same. On one day he entered in his diary, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son, Brooke Adams, who was keeping a diary, which that diary is still in existence today, on the same day Brooke Adams made this entry, went fishing with my father today, the most wonderful day of my life. And we see the contrast at times, dads, of the busyness of our lives, the busyness of what goes on. You cannot measure the impact you make. Even though your children may be grown, your phone call a letter, a text, those things still bear great weight 
in the life of your children. Don't underestimate it. Don't waste your influence by not using it. Use that influence. I could say the greatest thing you could do in using that influence too, and one of the greatest, most powerful things you have is admonition from chapter 5. And in chapter 5, we see the husbands and wives being addressed in this text. And the, the, the one verse in chapter 5 is just this, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The most profound thing you will do for your sons is to show them what it looks like for a man to love a woman faithfully for a generation, for a lifetime. The most profound things you will do for your daughters is to love their mother and treat her with honor and respect. And no doubt we've all failed at it. And yet we get up and we go forward. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask everybody else to stop listening except for the children, okay? If you're a child here this morning, you're still at home, I want you to listen up. And I don't care how old you are, I can see you back there, I see little Anna back there, and Mr. Lee back over here, got you good, got a thumbs up from him, and uh, I want you tuning in on me this morning, all right? Mr. Sullivan back here, all right, got him back there in the back rows over here, and to make sure Ali, TJ, Savannah are all listening really close, I have special words for each of you, no, I'm teasing with you this morning. I haven't said good morning to any of you, I don't think, so good morning. And um, but I, got, I got a whole row back here, they're, they're sitting together, and uh, I want you to listen up real close for the next two minutes. I want to give you, if I could, some counsel from your pastor, uh, from the Word of God, to encourage you on what the Scripture says in this area. And I think this encouragement will help you be the son and the daughter that God wants you to be. So let's look at this. Here's the word the Bible gives us. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You know, let me just say this. Some things are just right to do it. You don't always have to understand it. It's just right. Children, obey your parents. This is the first word to the children in this passage. Obey means to come under the hearing of another and thus submit yourself to this instruction. That means to listen to what mom and dad is saying and to do what they're saying. God has told the children to obey the parents and to do so in the Lord. This is not a man-centered thing or a law-centered thing. And moms and dads, do not point your children to obeying you because you said so. You are not a big enough authority for that. You should point your children to obey you because God said so. God said so. God has given the instruction, and I'm pointing you to the word of God and saying the word of God has called you to obey, and God doesn't give us instruction that is not for our good and for his glory. So children, obey your parents in the Lord. It is not a man-centered thing. It is not a law-centered command, but it is a Christ-centered idea. We do this because of Christ. Jesus Christ died for you, and he died for your sins, young people, this morning. He loved you just where you were. He knew what family you would be born in, and he's given you a command, and that command is, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children would refer to anyone who is young, uh, who, is not old, who is old enough to understand and carry out the command. We can only demand obedience to the degree that our children understand and carry out what we expect of them. And by the way, that's why it's so important that our instruction be patient and clear. No infant would be expected to clean their room, nor would you expect a four-year-old to cut the grass. They can't carry out those commands. 
But as a child becomes more and more aware and able, this comes to bear upon them. And the older they grow, the more responsibility of obeying this command comes on them. When we think about obedience, one of the first commands and the simplest commands that a mom and dad ever gives a child is what? It's one word. Who said something? It's the, what's the word? It's a two-letter word. No. No. And we say no over and over and over again. They get to thinking their name is no, right? We say no and we maybe smack the hand and we say no. It's always amazing to me how that we, 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 we don't want boundaries in our society, and yet we need boundaries. And it's the safest thing in the world. No boundary has ever been set. No fence has ever been built uh, for, from a loving parent that was for the child's harm, but always for their good. And so that instruction comes in, and it is no. And then as it gets older, it is boundaries that they must interpret and apply and follow through on. So obedience is not the idea. And here's something I want you to get. If you're listening to me, in just a few minutes, you can go to sleep, kids, okay? And I'm going to preach to your dads, all right? But right now, pay attention, all right? Savannah gives me a thumb up. Obedience is not the idea of agreement with your mom and dad, all right? You don't have to agree to obey. You can disagree and still obey. It's an amazing feature in obedience. It doesn't take any original thought. All you have to do is do what you were told to do. It's an amazing thing that God is. And by the way, there's great freedom in that. Because you can rest in the fact that mom and dad told you to do it. And so you were obeying God when you obey. And so just obey. You don't have to agree. By the way, you don't have to like what you're doing. You can do something you don't like to do and still obey. And as you do it, you are doing it for God's glory. And you're doing it out of honor for your mom and dad. You don't have to answer back when you obey. You don't have to explain how you know a better way. You can simply obey. When a child, when you as a child, picks and chooses when you will obey and when you will not obey, you are not obeying your parents ever. You're obeying yourself. You have become your own authority. You have become a God to yourself. Let me say this this morning. The scripture is clear that a child is to obey both parents. Fathers should support mothers and mothers should support fathers. Never should there be a conversation of, I know what your mom wants you to do, but you can do it anyway. Or I know your dad doesn't want you to do that, but you can do it anyway. That shouldn't be the case. There ought to be a connection and a unity in the commands and walking through this in obedience. And by the way, that probably means your husbands and wives will have to trust one another. There will be a community that works together you see, obedience of a child is a major pillar in our society, and as go these pillars, so goes our society. We see a society today that has no respect for authority. We have no respect for the office. And by the way, let me just say, in the last 8 to 12 years, I have heard atrocious things spoken about the president's office. And regardless of what party is in office, that is still our president and should be handled with respect. And if you're a Bible-believing Christian, you ought to say amen to that. 
Because we should respect authority. And as we undermine authority and we make light of authority, we tear down the fabric of our society. And children, when you refuse to obey, you become a problem in the society's fabric. And by the way, mom and dads, that's why it's so important that we teach them that we are not the reason they obey, but Christ is the reason they obey. Obedience. Obedience takes no original thought. Being under authority, there's great freedom in it. He said, I want you to obey your mom and dad in the Lord. In these verses, it is still in the context of being filled with the Spirit from Ephesians 5. Here's the way you can obey. And look at me, young people. Here's how you can obey the Lord Jesus Christ. You can obey him because you are saved by his grace. His Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And as you read the Word of God, your heart and mind are enlightened by the truth of the Word of God. And the Spirit of God empowers you to do what you naturally would not want to do. Because here's the reality reality of it, no matter how cute you are, in your heart, you're a rebel against God. And you want to disobey. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Because I'm one. I'm a rebel in my heart, and I want to do what I shouldn't do. But here's the wonderful news of God's grace, is that he saves us, and he gives us a new heart, and he gives us the power to obey. And that power comes through his Holy Spirit within us. You see, the answer to our children's sin nature is not more rules or stricter requirements or pointing them to, but it's rather pointing them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have too long separated the teaching of our children and our adults. And somehow or another, we teach our children in Sunday school that morality is what they need. And we teach our adults that spirituality and the gospel is what they need. And here's the reality. The children need the gospel and the parents need the gospel. He said, preacher, how should we talk about the gospel? Here's an opportunity to talk about the gospel. Anytime somebody does something wrong in your house. I don't know if y'all have any of those happen in your house. But if anybody sins against somebody else, that's an opportunity to talk about the gospel. So when one is fighting with the other and you're fighting with your brother or sister over something you think you want and you've been treated unjustly and you're angry and you're mad and, you know, maybe a toy gets cracked on somebody's head, that probably never happens in any of your homes. I'm just testifying here. But when that happens, that's a wonderful opportunity to preach the gospel. The reason why you have anger in your heart is because you're a sinner and what you need is the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And you need to be restored to your brother and sister. Not because it's just the right thing to do all the time, but because Christ has empowered us to do it. And it is through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we can. Let me say next, children, obey your parents and the Lord. How are you going to do that? You're going to do it when your heart is yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ and filled with the word of God. And how does that happen? Well, when I was a kid, we sang this song. And I sang it in the first service, and nobody booed, so we'll try it again here. We were singing this song, and if you know it, you can sing it with me, even you adults. We would sing a song like this. Um, Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Anybody ever sing that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Neglect your Bible, forget to pray, forget to pray, Forget to pray, neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink every time, every time. And they say this, you say, preacher, why do I have so much anger at my brother and sister? Because you haven't spent time in the word of God in prayer and letting God's word soften your heart 
and letting prayer give you a gospel heart towards your brother and sister. And that can happen. By the way, moms and dads, let's not wait for our kids to be 18 to expect them to be Christians. Amen. Let's call them to be Christians now. Let's call them to walk in Christ-likeness now. Young people, you have that responsibility to walk and obey him in the Lord. And it is only through his word and in time in his word that you can do this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and mother so children are to honor This means to properly value, esteem, respect, show deference to. That means give in. Give them the preferred place. Honor your father and mother. That means when your mom and dad walk in the living room and you're sitting in their chair, you ought to get up. Somebody say amen to that. (laughs) You ought to get up and give them your chair. You ought to make space for them. There ought to be a respect and an honor. There ought to be a carrying it out. Kindness, kindness, courtesy may be included in this verse. God has given each father now and each mother latitude on what this would look like in their home. Now, I grew up in the South. And down in South, you said, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Thank you. Uh, we, you, you uh, children sat at the children's table when we had dinners. Did anybody do that when you were growing up? You had the children's table. You know, it was a really bad time to grow up, really, because when I was a kid, the children sat at a children's table and the adults ate first and we got the leftovers. And now when we go places, they let the kids eat first and the adults have to wait. And I'm like, what? That didn't work out really well for me, you know? Um, the, we, we had these rules. Now, let me, let me be the first to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. That's a cultural thing, Okay. It's a cultural thing, and I don't think it's a bad thing. We've taught our children to say it, and the longer we've been up north, I guess the laxer we've gotten with it. But it was part of my growing up. And if I said yeah to somebody, it would not be good at all. It would not be good. My dad would say, it's going to be sad singing and slow riding after that. So that, you know what sad singing and slow riding is, right? It's a funeral procession. So uh, that he would not be good for you, all right? And uh, so we would... Um, it just wasn't good. Now, here's the thing. I don't believe that we can find biblical instruction that you have to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. But I do think you ought to set boundaries in your home of what respect looks like and set expectations. And no, son, you will not speak to my wife in that tone. And no, you'll not talk to me that way. And you'll set boundaries up. And those should be known, and they should be firm, and you should guide them in what it looks like to respect. Because to say this, the way they respect you is the way they're going to respect other authorities. Or their lack of respect for you will be translated to other authorities in their, in their life as well. Showing respect. He says, children, honor. See, the Lord is saying they need to learn to obey. They need to learn to honor. When we point, uh, when these are places, uh, when these are in place in society, the whole of Christianity, the whole of society, even outside the church, is benefited by it. This is not just a good thing. This is a God thing. God intends children to learn to respect, to show deference and honor. One commentary says, "Children," he says, "This obedience is the duty. Honor is the disposition." which obedience is born from. So if I could say it this way, obedience is what you're supposed to do and honor is the way you're supposed to do it. You're to do it with honor and respect, to carrying it out. 
once again, we point them to the Lord as the motive for their actions, not the avoidance of punishments. Homes then that are void of godly atmospheres, that are void of godly conversations, are going to be hard-pressed to convince a child that Christ is the motive for anything. And it is so important that we continually put it in front of it. So now a word for fathers. So young people, you can go to sleep now if you want to. No, I'm teasing. Don't do that. Your, your parents will get upset with me. You can listen, all right? Because you may be a dad or a mom someday and you might need this too. A word to the fathers. What does he say first? I think it's interesting to say that in this text he says, fathers provoke not your children to wrath. He doesn't address mothers here. Maybe because he knew mothers would be more inclined not to do this. Um, maybe because he wanted to admonish dads not to check out and to stay plugged in. Either way we look at it, we can't sit here, men, and say, well, discipline is mom's responsibility. Instruction is mom's responsibility because God did not even mention her in this text. No question that moms instruct and give discipline. Absolutely they do and should do so. But here, dads, we are being called in this verse, you can't squirm out of this one because he only mentions us. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. This is the first thing he says. Provoke means to arouse to wrath, to make angry, to exasperate. This is done in many ways that we can provoke our children to wrath. But I think, dads, if we tend to, we can hold such a high standard over our children that we keep them down and never let them measure up. And that is a dangerous place to be. There ought to be a celebration and yet an expectation. And both of those should go hand in hand as we bring our children up. Keith Hernandez is a baseball player uh, of a time ago, and his lifetime average was 300. He had numerous Golden Glove awards. He was excellent in fielding. He won the batting championship. Uh, he was the most valuable player in his league and even the World Series. Yet all of his accomplishments, he never had the approval of his father. One day, he very candidly asked his father, uh, Dad, I have a lifetime batting average of 300. What more do you want? And his father replied, Someday you're going to look back and wish you had done more. And it was that heaviness of you just still don't measure up. How many of you understand that we serve a heavenly father to whom we will never measure up to? And yet the acceptance and the rejoicing. You, isn't it interesting that our heavenly father is so gracious to us that even when we desire to do right, he rejoices in our stumblings? Let us dads have a heart of grace toward our children, not provoking them to wrath, not comparing them with others, not setting up unreal expectations, not nagging at them, not constantly going on their heels, not living in a hypercritical world, not setting up double standards, never able to please us. This must be kept in common, constant view. No matter how pure your intentions are, no matter how much you desire passionately to see your children do right, Anger will never produce righteousness in your children. It never can. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Provoking to wrath is preaching law without grace. It is speaking truth without love. If and when we correct our children out of wrath, we point them away from the gospel, not to it. 
We are telling them there is no hope and there is no way back. But what we need to do is say, you are a sinner. You have failed. And guess what? I'm a sinner and I have failed. And here's how I got things right. And I show them the gospel. I bring them to a place that the gospel is available for them because it's been available for me. You see, we are not pointing our children to us or teaching them for our good, but for God's glory. Our authority does not come from us, but from God. Our sin is not excused, but it's confessed and forgiven by the grace of God. And our children need to know this about us. They need to know that we don't get a pass for doing wrong because we're adults. But when we sin against God, we confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and God doesn't wait six months to welcome me into fellowship again. He welcomes me in. He brings me in. So he says, bring them up now. This is the admonition. This has in view the whole of the child's development, both the physical, the spiritual, the emotional side of everything that you and I as dads, we ought to be walking alongside of them, bringing them up, leading them along. We have here in view both instruction and correction, both discipline and instruction, nurture and admonition. A father who is spirit-filled, teaching and correcting his child in the Lord, thus brings them to a mature state of adulthood with the love for God themselves. A love for the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the end of fatherhood, is that our children would love the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would learn ethics of labor and work ethics, not because we have them, but because the Scripture teaches them. And we would instruct them in this way to instruct our children. We must instruct our children in the way of the Lord, showing them how to walk in the way of the Lord. Pray with your children. Teach them the Bible. Dads, teach your children the Bible. You say, well, pastor, I, I don't know about all that. You know, it wouldn't take you five minutes to take a verse in the morning and sit down and talk about it. Or when you're listening to the television and it says something completely ungodly, just pause the thing. Stop the television and say, now what did he just say right there? Now let me explain to you why that's ungodly and way we ought to view it, and ask them the questions and teach them. And as you go through the day, walk with them and take opportunities to teach them the Word of God. I'm not saying by any means that you need to build a room in your house with a bunch of pews in it and sit your kids down and preach to them once a day. But I am saying you ought to take the Word of God and make it a part of your daily walk and teach them as you go and make the Word of God a priority in your home. Let me just say this here. Shelby Bible Church is here to come alongside of you and assist you Pastor Caleb, he labors hard to make sure we have a good children's program. And as that comes back online and we begin to labor there, all of those things are to insist you in the teaching and training of your children, but it's not to do it for you. You have a responsibility to teach your children the word of God at home. Don't abdicate that responsibility. Play with your children. Give to your children. Give to them. Somebody said, well, don't give them too much, you'll spoil them. I don't think that's right. I think you can give and you can give and you can give. I think the spoiling comes is when you teach your children they deserve what they're receiving. And you don't teach them where it comes from. But when you teach them that every good gift comes from God, and I don't deserve what I'm getting, then when your children receive a gift, they will say, 
God has been so good to me. That's what you want. You want them to say, God's been so good to me. And he has been good to us. We can give to them sacrificially. I'm not talking about wealthy wealth. I'm not talking about you have to give them the latest technology. I'm not saying any of that. But be a giver to your children. Be generous with them. Because your heavenly father is generous with you. And so, let me say this, have dinner together. I know this may be a bit of a cultural thing. I know that we may find ourselves in a different time, but there's nothing stopping us, whether you have an early breakfast or dinner or lunch or you just, everybody stays up to midnight and eats cereal around the table. Have some time where you connect as a family around the word of God and around the things of God. I believe in these moments we see discipleship happening when we're intentional about being together. Get that, that's the core of it right there. Intentional about being together. You, you know why Shelby Bible Church has a close-knit community? Because we're intentional about being together. We have opportunity to discipleship, disciple because we're intentional about being together. Make it a priority. Let me say this, make church a priority. You don't have to live by the standard that I live by. You don't have to live the standard I grew up in. I, I told him this morning, I, was, I said a few weeks ago, actually, I was raised on drugs. I was drugged to church on Sunday, drugged to church on Sunday night, drugged to church on Wednesday night. Um, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school. Anytime the doors were open, if just somebody was there checking something, we were at the church. I feel like I lived at the church more than I did at my house. Um, that's all good and fine. And I, I, if that's where you want to draw the line, do it there. And our family was here a lot. But let me say this, draw the line somewhere and say, hey, guys, this is the line. We're not going to give in on it. We're going to be in church. And whether you say, hey, you know, we're going to be at Sunday morning no matter what, or we're going to make sure Wednesday night's our priority no matter what, you're going to draw a line and stick with it and show your family the priority of gathering with God's people. I know that's not popular, but I promise you, if you'll take that counsel, it'll help you. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together and teach our children not to do it. We must warn them of the dangers of this world. And who is going to do it if we don't? We have a responsibility, dads, to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, the instruction and the discipline of the Lord. We need to teach them of the danger of this world. We need to teach our young men, dad, how we control our eyes. And if you don't control your eyes, then you need to find out how to do it and help your children learn to do it behind you. We live in a day to where sexuality and immorality is plastered on everything and everywhere you go. I said in the first service, and I repeat again, at Kroger and the magazine aisles at Kroger, you can see more filth there than my grandfather could have paid to see. And it's a travesty that we live there, but here's the thing. If the gospel is still true and the Bible is still the word of God, then we can raise young men who have hearts that live pure for him. And we have a responsibility to walk in that. I'm not talking about a young man who never stumbles and never falls. If you claim to be above that, please, I'd like to meet you and shake your hand. But let me say this. If we're not going to walk out how that looks like and what you do to walk in a faithfulness toward our eyes and our own purity of our heart, we are failing this generation. 
It saps the energy from our manhood in America. And America is becoming a nation of very weak men because we're full of hobbies and we're full of sin. And we're not full of the word of God. And we're not full of discipline anymore. And we need our dads to stand up and say, son, walk how I'm walking. Step where I'm stepping. And when you fail, run to the cross. Run to the cross. And do that faithfully. We need to warn them of the addictions that are available in this world and all that comes in and grabs their attention. We don't want our children just running out in this world and not knowing what is available, but warning them of it, warning them of the dangers of alcohol. And it is dangerous. Drunkenness will destroy your home. And I, I wish so often I could just sit in and have every person just listen in on all the conversations as a pastor that I've had to have with people who just want to take lightly, ah, it's not a big deal. We're just going to go tie one on this Friday night, have a good time. And I wish you could somehow or another catch all the tears in a bottle somewhere and they would fill this room of all the people and their brokenness because they wouldn't listen to the warnings of Scripture. Dads, we have a responsibility of saying it's a dangerous road. Don't go down it. Warning them away from it. Being patient with them, loving with them, but warning them. Warning them to control their heart. We need hearts to affirm our daughters and our sons. We train them and tell them when they're ready to step out and do so boldly and say, we're teaching you, we're training you, now it's your time and go. Dads, you need to affirm your daughters. Affirm them for what God has made them to be. Love them, respect them. Show them what it looks like to walk a Christian life and to be a Christian man that if God chooses to bring that man along for them, they'll know what they're looking for because we've walked it out. Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 20 tells us this, and you shall teach them to your children, speaking to them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You see, if a father would teach his children to know what he knows and to know the word of God, he must know the word of God himself. You must study the word of God yourself. You must draw the lines yourself. You see, I cannot make my children love scripture, but I can make them learn it. I can put it in front of them. I can't make them choose, and I hear people say this often, well, you can't make them choose. I want them to choose for themselves. They're going to anyway. My children will choose for themselves. I'm not going to make a choice for them in their adulthood. They're going to make them. But what I want to do is I want to spend the 18 years that I have them in my home spending that time making the gospel unavoidable putting it in front of them day in and day out so they hear it and they know it and they love the Lord Jesus Christ or at least they know their parents do and make it inescapable. Make it so you can cut the gospel with a knife in your home because it's a part of everything you do. It's just in the midst of it all. We say things like that. Well, I don't want to force them to come. They may not like it later on. Pardon me. Be a parent. You don't pull that with vegetables, you don't pull that with bedtime, and you don't pull that with school. Don't pull it with church. Tell them to go to church because it's time to go to church. Be a parent. 
I challenge you on it this morning. Set the boundaries, draw those lines, and walk in them faithfully, correct, consistently, purposefully, and lovingly. They must know what we expect, and we must follow through. You see, it's not one or the other. It's not correction and instruction or instruction, but it's together. They work together. That we admonish and we nurture and we admonish and we nurture. See, correction is not, it's not about, well, how many, should you spank your kids? Should you not? I think scripture's clear on that. You beat a child, you are wrong. And you deserve to be punished by the law for doing so. Amen. But there ought to be correction from a mom and dad who lovingly gives godly correction in the home. And when that correction comes down, it is going to be a blessing to your home. Several years ago, I was asking my children, I said, why would you correct your children? Would you discipline your children when you, when you have children? And they all three said yes. Savannah was much younger, and I'm not sure she was in agreement fully yet uh, with the idea. But uh, So they said, yeah, we would. And I said, why? Why do we correct our children? And TJ said, well, so they'll know right from wrong. And I said, that's good. And I said, Allie, what do you think? And she said, well, I think you correct your children so you can awaken an awareness of their sin nature with them so they'll need Jesus. And I went, I need to write that down for my sermon. So <laughs> I've kept that. And as we correct our children, we awaken a need, a, a, an awareness of their sin nature so they see their need of Jesus. So the final goal, the end game is to take our children, we teach them obedience so that they will obey him. We teach them love of good and right so they'll transfer their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. To show our children the only hope in this sin-cursed world. And man, we, we have a sin-cursed world, if you haven't noticed. And people say things like, well, I'm a little nervous about bringing kids into this world. Well, I mean, I feel bad for the next generation. Let me say this, as long as this book right here is true, there is hope for the next generation. We don't, we are not, don't, don't ever let the media tell you it's worse than it's ever been. Or that it's too bad for the gospel to make an impact. Because friend, here's what I want to do, and here's what I would love for our church to do, is let's stop cursing the darkness, and let's strike a match with our children. Let's say, hey, here's the word of God, walk in it. And we need to show our children that the only hope in this sin-cursed world for sinners like us, and for sinners like them, and for sinners like everyone out there, is the Lord Jesus Christ. When I think of my greatest privileges in life, my greatest privilege is to be the husband of Susie Jean Hiltabital Montgomery. That's the greatest privilege in my life. The second greatest privilege would be to be the father of those three kids back there. And yet in that greatest privilege, I also find my greatest regrets. My greatest regrets are how I've failed my children and how I've failed my wife. But in that failure, my greatest hope is not that I can do better, but that Jesus has done better. And I run to him for grace, and he gives hope. This morning, we have a great responsibility, dads. Let's not take it lightly. Let's charge forward for the glory of God. And if your children are out of the home, use the influence you have now 
that point them to Jesus. Here's the thing. You may not always be able to talk to your children about God, but you can always talk to God about your children. And don't forget that. Let's pray together. Father, your word is sufficient. It is powerful. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would speak to us this morning. Give us the correction and instruction we need. Lord, fill us with your word now. God, our our steps as we go. In Jesus' precious name.